doggy. You know, it's been really humid out lately. There's been days where it was like 80% humidity or whatever. It's thick in here with Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your fire right now. We thank you that you've lit us on fire. We pray that whatever level the people are operating at right now, today, in this moment right now, that it would be accelerated, that you pour the accelerant of the Holy Spirit on them to accelerate the fire. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here right now. We thank you for your faithfulness. This message is called Faithfulness. And I started getting this a week or two ago. And I just started to look up songs on faithfulness and came across the song. And it was Carrie Underwood and CeCe Winans singing it. And I just, I just played it. You know, it was like four minutes long. And I tell you what. My life flashed before my eyes during this song, and there was four minutes. It just seemed like every 10 seconds or so, God showed me something. Ah. In my life, he was faithful. The Bible says even when we are faithless, he is still faithful because he cannot deny himself. See, I'm all about us getting smaller and him getting bigger. John the Baptist said, I got to decrease and he's got to increase. Boy, if we have that mentality of he's got to increase and I got to decrease, the Holy Spirit is in it, in it. And I just pray for healings right now to even break forth in this room. Us walking around back there, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to operate on people today. Like you could be sitting in your seat right now and you have trouble hearing or you have trouble with your vision or you have some kind of systemic problem you have some type of disease that you've been that's been a label on you the Holy Spirit can move throughout this room during this time and he can operate on you just like a physician will operate on you just like a physician would cut you open and remove something or change something the Spirit of God move throughout this room and minister to each one and operate on you and it doesn't even have to be something necessarily physical that's in your body it can be something you've been dealing with in your mind you could have come in here today just tormented, come in here today depressed, come in here today anxious, come in here today diagnosed with some disorder mentally and the Holy Spirit can operate on you during this time and you can leave with a sound mind. Jesus came up to that guy that was possessed and it says he had a legion of devils and he was cut himself and he was in chains, they tried to chain him and he would break out of the chains and Jesus came up to him and he had complete deliverance. And what it says is that he went from that state into a state of having a sound mind, a sound mind. And this word faithfulness. And during that song, I just, my, just thing after thing after thing in my life, sometimes we forget God's faithfulness. Sometimes we forget how faithful he's been to us this whole, since the day you were born, how faithful he has been. And for those of you that are in a storm right now and it's raining on you and it's cloudy and it's dark, I want to assure you today that it does not change God's faithfulness. We can waver. We can be moved back and forth. We can be tossed to and fro, but God does not change. There is no variation and there is no shadow of turning in God. When we are not stable, He is. When we lean and rest on this rock, 
faithfulness. So I'm starting to just think about this word faithfulness, and I'm doing this Bible in a year thing out of the chronological Bible. It's an app. And I end up in Lamentations 3. And what does Lamentations 3 talk about? Great is thy faithfulness. It's amazing to me how if we will step out and we will do what God was calling us to do, how he confirms his word over and over and over and over again. I get in the car this morning and I turn on a radio and I go to Pandora, Maverick City Music. Guess what? Great is thy faithfulness. God wants to get a message to every one of us in here today that he is faithful. He is faithful. He is full of faith. He is faithful, faithful. I feel like sometimes with that guy and the devil was throwing his son into the water and he was foaming at the mouth and things were going on. And he looked at Jesus and he said, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief in whatever area you struggle in with unbelief. Ask Jesus, say, help me with my unbelief. Help me, help me, help me see how big you are. Help me see how faithful you are. Is everybody breathing? Great is thy faithfulness. The word faithfulness literally means stability, steadfastness, steadiness, firmness, truth, and faith. And this was actually a topic of a meeting we were in. We did this little leadership study thing, and it was in there too. <laughs> it's just when God starts speaking a word, he hits you with so, from so many different directions. Faithfulness, stability, steadfastness, steadiness, firmness, truth, and faith. And there's a reason why these words are coming forth. Because in the days ahead, we do not know how unstable the world is going to be. But he wants to get a message across to his body that I do not care how unstable the world looks to you. I will be stable for you. I have complete confidence and absolutely zero doubt in my head that God is stable and he is steadfast and he is firm. When everything else is falling down around you, he is steadfast. Faithfulness. It's interesting because if you think of someone that would be full of faith, you would use this definition to describe them. You would say, the person's stable and they're steady and they're full of truth. The definition applies to those that walk in faith. And do we do it per perfectly? Absolutely not. But I know my Savior and I know the one that I have to go to when I'm failing and when I'm falling and when I'm hurting, when like just Peter gets out of the boat and Jesus says, come on, Peter, come on, Peter, get out of the boat, get out of the boat and start walking towards me. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water and he starts to sink and Jesus is the one that lends out his hand. He says, he's lifting Peter up. Listen to me, when you step out in faith, I don't care how big the thing looks or how daunting the thing looks or how big the mountain looks to you, Jesus will be there to meet you and he will grab your hand and he will lift you up out of the water. We know our Savior. Isn't it good to know your Savior? No one can experience lasting stability or steadiness without experiencing God's faithfulness. And listen, I am ta I'm not talking about just head knowledge. I'm not just talking about reading. It's very important. Obviously, we teach and teach and teach and search. We read the Word and read the Word and read the Word. But at some point, the Word has to become experiential to you. It has to be an experience for you. And then it drops down into your spirit and you get to say, oh, I get it. I get it now. I can tell you all, you all I want that the burner on the oven is hot, but until you touch the, the, the burner and burn your hands, you don't know it's hot yet. 
It's experiential. This, this word is experiential. It does, it's not just in word, it's in power. It's not just a bunch of letters and paragraphs. It is power too. It is power. <laughs> no one can experience lasting stability or steadiness without experiencing God's faithfulness. We just, we don't just know God is faithful just because we read about it. We know it because we've experienced it. I could get every one of you up here today and pass you the microphone and you could go from situation to situation to circumstance to circumstance throughout your life and you could tell me how faithful God has been even when you weren't. I was running from him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And he came to me. <laughs> People don't find God. <laughs> ah. Yep. I can stand here today, as many of you can, and say God has always been faithful to me. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way, <laughs> but when the rain stops and the storm clouds clear, we realize that he was faithful the whole time. And I know some of you are in a storm right now, right now, right now, and it looks dark to you, but I'm telling you there's gonna be a day, a time, maybe it's today, where the clouds clear and the darkness is removed, and then you're gonna have your aha moment, and you're gonna say, I was so caught up in the process that I didn't see the end. And God will bring that thing to an end and you'll be at the end of that thing and you'll look back and you'll be like, you'll be able to see God in every single part of it. Every single part of it. Even when you thought he, was, he had left you. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way. So in Psalms 37, one through 11, boy, you know, you think you read the Bible, you know, enough and you think you, you, all these scriptures in your head and you read this stuff over and over and all of a sudden you read something and go, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? Listen, it says, do not fret. This is Psalm 37, one through 11. Do not, oh boy. You wanna talk about a, a portion of scripture that is gonna come down right now and slap us in the face? Right where we're at? Do not fret because of evildoers. Hello. Does everything in the world have you all fretful right now? Does everything in the world have you all anxious? Does it have? That's not where God wants his body. He wants us so far removed from fret and worry. It's funny because he says, do not worry. And we go, well, that's a great suggestion, but it's actually a command. He's like, my sacrifice and what I did on the cross is big enough, and I say this over and over, and large enough for you to experience peace and not anxiety constantly. Well, the problem is, is just like Peter, we get our eyes on the waves and we don't keep our eyes on Jesus. And Jesus is like, if you would just focus on me. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Hello. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Aha. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Your life's like this big pasture and all these turning points and pinnacles and things that have happened year after year after year. God's like, go out into that field and feed on my faithfulness. If you have to write it down, if you have to go through, leave here today or do it right now and start writing down how many times God has been faithful to you, write it down, write it down word after word and look at it and study it and get it down in your spirit because he's going to do it again. He's the God of do it again. <laughs> 
Feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the, desi the desires of your heart. It says commit, the word commit there is literally roll, roll your way onto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he's going to bring it to pass. My trust is not in this world. It's not in somebody. It's on God. Thank you. Commit your way. Roll it on the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Everybody's talking about justice, 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 justice. He says, he shall bring it forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. There will be justice for you. When this is all said and done, there's not going to be one thing that's ever happened that God's not going to judge justly. See, some of you, see, you, 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 feel, you feel slighted. You feel, like, you feel like, oh man, it didn't, it didn't, didn't go the right way. I didn't, this, this. God is perfect in justice and he will bring the thing to pass. And in the end, perfect justice will be done. He's just. So when we look across the world and we get fretful and we think, well, why isn't this person being judged? And why isn't this person being judged? And why isn't this person in court? And why isn't this person being prosecuted? And why is it? God is complete and full in justice. There's no perfect judges on this earth. He is the only one that is perfect in justice and he will bring it to pass. Whatever the thing is, he will bring it to pass and he will, in the end, have the final say. So you don't need to fret and you don't need to worry. And you, come on. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Second time it's in there. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It's the third time in this portion of scripture that he has said, do not fret. Third time. It literally says, do not fret. It only causes harm. You say, why shouldn't I? Because it causes you harm in your mind and it causes you harm in your body. You know the feeling when you start fretting and you know, the engine's rolling and you know, your adrenaline's flowing and you're mad and you're frustrated and it does, it is no good for your body. No good for your body. Your body loves this thing called homeostasis. It likes the idea of peace. <laughs> do not fret it only causes harm for evil doers will be cut off but those who wait on the Lord hey those who wait on the Lord they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while and I know it seems like a long while but he says for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more indeed you will look carefully for his place but it shall be no more Listen, there's people in positions and authority and places, high, wickedness in high places that you're looking at right now. And if three, four, five years from me, maybe next year, maybe next week, maybe next month, you're going to look and go, where did they go? For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place. Well, where'd they go? God removed them. God removed them. God moved them out of the way because I'm telling you one thing, God will have the final say and his plan will come forth. His, his word will not return void. What he has spoken will come to pass and he'll move people around like pawns. And you'd be like, how this person end up here? How this person end up here? Because God is the ultimate master of chess. 
and it just, just when it looks like the church is going to lose, just think of the crucifixion. Everybody thought, oh my, my goodness, Jesus is dead. Everything that Jesus said is, 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 is a lie. Everything that Jesus said is false. He rose again, came up out of the grave. His dead body started, breathe, started breathing. And just at the last point where everybody thought it was over, it was only the beginning. We've only just begun. <clears throat> For yet a little while, but it shall be no more. But the meek or the humble or the bow down and the surrendered will inherit the earth. It's completely the opposite of what the world teaches. The humble shall inherit the earth, not the proud, not the arrogant and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Feed on his faithfulness. He mentions the word fret three times. This is literally what this word means in the Hebrew. It means to be hot. It means to be furious. It means to burn, become angry, and be kindled. And when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, listen, we are either gonna be on fire for God or we're gonna be on fire because we're fretting. But I'd rather be on fire for God. I don't know about you. All, he's an all-consuming fire. I don't wanna be on fire because I'm fretting about everything. The word feed means to graze, to devour, to eat. Feed on his faithfulness. And then in Philippians chapter four, it starts in verse six and just through nine, just three, three scriptures here. And this is a very familiar scripture. But this idea of grazing and this idea of devouring and this idea of feeding on his faithfulness it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is a type of prayer, meaning it's a request. And you say, why is that important? Because he's faithful. <laughs> You say, how do, I, how do you know he's going to answer your prayer? Because when I pray according to his will, he is faithful to answer. And he will bring it to pass. I don't have to work it somehow. He's going to bring it to pass. He's faithful. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This has always been one of my favorite scriptures. When you have peace and you can't understand it. In the situation that you're in, people look at it from the outside and they say, there is no reason you should have peace, but you have peace in the midst of it. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. And that will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It'll literally set itself up, up as a guard. Some of you have been tormented and you, you got arrows fired at you and you, and you got all this going on. And, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart and your mind. It'll sit, it, sit itself up as a garrison, as a guard. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, do it exactly the opposite of what you would see on the news. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And every, you've heard this, thoughts, actions, habits, lifestyle. Thoughts, actions, habits, lifestyle. You wanna see somebody with a lifestyle of faith? They have filled their mind with the word. They have acted on the word, okay? And now it has become a part of them. It has become a lifestyle. It has become a habit for them. It's the way your mind works, right? The renewing of your mind.
renew your mind. How can you walk in peace and not be anxious? Understand that God is faithful. Feed on his faithfulness. When your world is seemingly falling apart, he remains faithful. On your worst day and on your best day, he remains faithful. He does not change. There is no shadow of turning or variation in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is faithful. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it's only one scripture. We said, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. He can't deny himself. This is our God. We fall short, he doesn't. We waver back and forth, he doesn't. We are imperfect, he isn't. When we are faithless, it says he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. It is impossible for his faithfulness to fail. Great is thy faithfulness. Ours will always fall short. His won't. He's faithful. So I've been working my way through Jeremiah and Lamentations and Ezekiel. And I don't know how many of you read through those books or read through those books recently, but they're, they're hard to read. <laughs> you read through them and, you know, like at the end, you're like, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel a little bit worse than I did when I started reading. <clears throat> but there's so much going on in these books. And they are, they're hard to read. But everything within those books doesn't mean God is not faithful. Kelly and I came to this conclusion because we're both working our way through the Bible and the year thing. And we came to this conclusion. We're sitting there talking about this. And we're talking about these books are hard to read. But in the end, man does it to himself. You know, this idea of why would God do this and why would God do that? Why would God do that? It's all in a response to man. God is not to hurt anybody. His, his nature screams love, 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 love. It's us that screw stuff up. And he is holy and he is just and he cannot go against his word. And when he says I'm holy and I'm just, he will administer justice where justice needs to be administered. And these prophets in the Old Testament went to the people over and over and over and over and over and over again. And God gave them chance after chance after chance after chance to repent. And they would not do it. And they mocked God. And they said, we don't want anything to do with God. And justice and judgment had to come. So when you read through these books and understand the justice of God, they begin to make sense in a greater, in a greater way. But I've been making my way through these books. And I want to talk to you real quick about Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet's life was one of, if not most, the di most difficult and trial-filled existences of any Old Testament prophets. Because of what he saw, preached, and suffered, he was often referred to as the weeping prophet. And if you read through Jeremiah, there's, there was times where he was just absolutely weeping. Absolutely weeping over what was going on. Absolutely weeping at what he had been called to do just destroyed and distraught. And at the start of his prophetic ministry, he was told directly by God that others would reject him in his message. Come on, can you imagine getting a calling and saying, you know, Matt, I'm God, uh, God I'm, I'm gonna call, I'm calling you to this thing, but in the world's estimation, it's gonna look like a complete failure. But I'm gonna call you to do it anyway. We are not called in the world's estimation to be successful. We are called to be faithful. And if you study the life of Jeremiah, you see on the outside, it looks like a complete disaster. And you would look, point your finger at Jeremiah and you would say, this dude is a loser. But in God's estimation, because he did exactly what God told him to do, he was deemed faithful, faithful. 
after preaching for several years, his own family, now listen to the idea of this LinkedIn with Jesus. After preaching for several years, his own family and those who lived in his hometown turned against him. You know, we pray these things, God, I wanna share in your sufferings. And then we get into this place where we get rejected, where we, we feel lonely, where we feel like we're on the outside. Where we, and he's like, you asked to share in my sufferings. Because if you share in his sufferings, you also share in his glory. Suffering always comes before glory. Always comes before glory. They despised him in his message. And they plotted to kill him. Pashur, chief governor and priest in Jerusalem's temple had the prophet whipped and then put in stocks. So the religious people of that day were abusing Jeremiah. During the reign of Jehoiakim, after he gave a temple message calling for the people to repent, a mob of priests and prophets tried to have Jeremiah executed. This is all in the middle of God's calling. King Jehoiakim himself would later threaten his life and that of his scribe Baruch. A false prophet named Hananiah publicly ridiculed his warnings and accused him of lying. Some of Zedekiah's princes, after he became Babylon's puppet king over Judah, had the prophet arrested, accused of treason, beaten, and thrown in prison. Others who also rejected his message then had moved from the palace prison into a deep but empty well where he sunk into its mire. So he was in prison and they, they moved him to a deeper part of the prison, which I don't know if you ever waded into a pond that's, that's got a lot of muck in it. The bottom of this prison was feet of muck. So his existence in that prison was literally down in the muck and mire up to his knees, up to his waist. I don't know how deep it was, but that was his existence inside prison. All within God's calling. Others who also rejected his message then had him moved into the palace prison, into the mire. Jeremiah personally experienced the Babylonian siege against Jerusalem and not only saw the suffering of the people, but also saw them taken away as captives. After the destruction of Jerusalem, the Babylonians released him from prison and allowed him to live in the land under the protection of Governor Gedaliah. Unfortunately, the governor less than two months later was murdered. The prophet was then against his will taken by some Jewish rebels to Egypt. Some biblical commentaries have, him, have even speculated the prophet died at, in Egypt at the hands of those who forced him to leave. So much for the four car garage and, the, uh, and all the nice cars and all the. You're called to be faithful. Called to be faithful with what God has given you and given me. And then we move on to Jeremiah and we see Jeremiah's calling. And this is chapter one and verse one. And this is what it says. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, are the priests who were of the Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. At this point, Jeremiah is estimated to be around 20 years old. 20. Think, think like I'm thinking right now about when I was 20, and I was a mess, mess. And thinking about getting this word at the age of 20, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were ever implanted in your mother's womb, before you were ever in the womb, I knew you before you ever were even in your mom. And he's 20 and he's getting these things from God. And he's like, what? Imagine him just hanging out, 20 years old, 
I knew you, by the way, before you were ever inside of your mother's womb. There was an existence before your mother's womb, by the way. God is the father of all spirits. The, the devil didn't create anything or anybody. That's when people get born again. They hear this word go out. They hear the anointed word go out and their spirit comes alive and they go, oh, I remember now. I remember now. He is my father. People who, you know, Jesus would go up on them and go, your father's the devil. And when someone's born again, they have this revelation that God is my father. Why? Because he created your spirit and he took your spirit and he put it into a human body. <laughs> You're a spirit having a human experience, not a human having a spiritual experience. <laughs> Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctify you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before I was born, God set me apart. And he said, when you're 25 years old, I'm going to call you in the midst of a drug house. And I'm going to wake you up. Before I was ever born, it happened. God's got an appointed time. It even says he gathers people. Listen, you think, oh, I moved into this house because I want to. God puts you in the house. Because I know what the Bible says. It says he literally puts you where you're at right now so that you would seek him. I know this makes our minds go tell and our flesh goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm in control. No, God is in control. Sorry. Sometimes you, get, sometimes you literally have to tell the flesh to shut up. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, wait a minute. <laughs> this is what this is saying. Then he said, ah, Lord God, behold. Ah, Lord God, wait a minute. I can't speak. <laughs> So he's calling Jeremiah to go in front of people that are terrifying, that are violent, that don't want anything to hear what he has to say, don't want anything to do with him. And he's like, I can't talk, God. What are you talking about? You're calling me something to, I can't even do. That's God. When God, when you look at something and go, wait a minute, time out, I can't do that. Oh, you're in the right place at the right time because you are ripe for God to take your life over. When you think you have everything handled and have your, all your ducks in a row and you got, you got, you understand, you know, and, and God's like, hold on, I'm going to scramble everything that you're thinking about right now and I'm going to take your life over. Uh, I can't speak. And the second part is, I'm a youth. I'm only 20 years old. And he says, it doesn't matter how old you are. And I was speaking this specifically to you and here they're around that age, just 17, 15, 14, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. If he did this with Jeremiah, he can do it with you. And, I, you know, 50, 60, 78, it does not matter how old you are. It's God's word. It's God's plan. I can't speak. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, don't say that you're young. Don't say that you're a youth. For you shall go, he doesn't waste time, you shall go to all whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak, do. I'm telling you, this is a word for you in here right now. Do not be afraid of their faces. 
we're gonna be called to, 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 to some tough love situations where we're gonna have to speak the word in love. And you cannot let the person's face or the atmosphere or the room change the message. You have to give the message the way God told you to give it. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put it forth his hand and touched his mouth. He touched his mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. We're gonna finish on time, I promise. And then you look at Jeremiah. So that's Jeremiah's calling. And then you go into Jeremiah 20. And this is when he's in the midst of everything. He says, oh Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am, listen to, listen to Jeremiah. I am in derision daily. Everybody is mocking me, God. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. He was at the point in this ministry where he was getting hammered and beat up so much. He was like, I am done. He's like, I'm done with it. I don't want to be a part of it anymore, God. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I remember Pastor Don used to say from the pulpit, he said, I, I feel like quitting at least once a week. You know what I mean? And like, I would hear, you would hear we'd hear that kind of stuff from me. And you, it, there's something about being honest. There's something about being transparent. There's something about being vulnerable where you hear someone of that stature and that leadership say, hey, listen, I feel like quitting too. There's times where I don't want to do this anymore. But he had this saying, he said, just show up. Just keep showing up. But Jeremiah was in this place. He said, I'm not gonna make mention of you anymore, God. I'm not gonna speak anymore in your name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. God wants a bunch of people, the body of Christ, to have that fire. And literally you're saying, listen, it is like a fire shut up in my bones and I can't help myself. I have to speak what I need to speak. And God will be with you in those moments and he will give you the words to say and he will open your mouth. You don't have to somehow pre-act it out. In that moment, in that time, you're gonna be in situations where God is gonna fill your mouth with his word and you're gonna speak stuff and you're gonna walk away from that situation. You're gonna go, what just happened? What just happened is the Holy Spirit took over your mouth. And I pray even now that God would touch every one of our mouths, that any fear you have of speaking truth would be eliminated, would be gone. And that's what the fire of God does, the fire of God. It's an all-consuming fire. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. He says, I couldn't, for I heard many mocking, fear on every side, report, they said, and we, we will report it. All my acquaintance watched for my stumbling, saying perhaps he can be induced. Then we, then we will prevail against him and we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Oof. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed for they will not prosper. They, their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For I have pleaded my cause before you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. Cursed be the day in which I was born. <laughs> Listen, let that day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father saying a male child has been born to you. Ah, making him very glad. And let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and did not relent. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noon. 
because he didn't kill me from the womb that my, that my mother might have been my grave and her womb always enlarged with me. Why did I come forth from the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame? <laughs> it sounds like a roller coaster ride. It sounds like David in the Psalms. Lord, I praise you, I praise you. What, what are you doing to me, God? What are you doing to me, God? Lord, I praise you, I give you thanksgiving. What is going on right now, God? What is going on right now, Lord? Listen, it's designed that way for you to lean, again, lean on him. You know, we have this thought in our head that if everything's going right all the time, boy, we're really gonna get plugged in. Boy, I'm, I'm waiting for all those things to line up and I'm just, once those things are lined up, I'm plugging myself in and boy, I'm gonna rush into this ministry. I'm gonna rush into this stuff. because God's like, there's not gonna be a time in your life where you're not gonna be able to depend on me. So when you read these things and they look like hard things where Jeremiah is up here and he's down here and he's up here and he's down here. He's being honest and do not ever be afraid to cry out to God the way Jeremiah is. God's not intimidated by us. <laughs> God doesn't get anxious when we talk like this. God doesn't go, oh no, here we go again. He knew what you're gonna say before you said it, by the way. But the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one. We're not called to be successful according to the world's standards and we're finishing here, but faithful with what we've been given. Now we're gonna go into Lamentations quickly here and we're gonna just read through these scriptures quickly. But I want you to understand now where Jeremiah is at this point. Jeremiah has done exactly what God has called him to do and spoke the words that, that he was supposed to speak and nobody listened to him. Everybody did the opposite thing of what he said. God, God's gonna bring justice. God's gonna do this and that and do this and that and they didn't listen. And what happened was Judah completely fell apart it literally collapsed the nation of Judah and Jerusalem, which was Jeremiah's city, also collapsed. They didn't do what God told them to do. And God's not gonna keep hand-holding and keep pampering and keep giving, you know. God has this line that once, you know, he gives these words and once it, it, people cross it and cross it and cross it and cross it and cross it, he gives people up to their own delusions. <laughs> I know that's hard to hear. But now Jeremiah is literally like a war correspondent talking about what he's seen and what he's heard and what he's tasted and, what, and all these things that have gone on around him. And this is what it says, lamentations, which literally means to weep. It literally means to be in grief. It says, I am the man who has been afflicted by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. Listen to these things. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with the bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. Do you realize there was times where, where God would literally uh, shut Jeremiah's mouth to where he was a mute? And then he would open his mouth when it was time to talk? <laughs> he has made my chain heavy even when I cry out. He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, hold on. 
My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. In other words, think on these things. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So we, we, we sing the lyrics to these songs, great is thy faithfulness, but sometimes we don't understand the context of where this came from in scripture. So at the bottom of 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 the barrel, Jeremiah starts to feed on God's faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You can all stand. If the musicians want to come out. I love, I, there's something about, and I know sometimes this is like hard to listen to and hard to read, but there's something about getting in the word and, and hearing the, the, the uh, different aspects of, of the prophet's lives and the disciples' lives. And sometimes it brings you hope because you sit there and you go, boy, I thought I had a bad day. <laughs> he's the God of hope. He's the God of, he's a consuming fire. And Lord, we thank you in this house right now for your faithfulness, that you are faithful. Even in the darkest, listen, we have to, even in the darkest of darkest of darkest hours, if you find yourself in that place, understand that God is faithful. He's faithful. If there's one thing that you can grasp and hold on to hope-wise, it's that God is faithful. It literally says hope. Hope is like an anchor to the soul, and it literally goes behind the veil into the presence of God. You want to get into the presence of God? Hope will lead and guide you there. And my hope that he is always faithful. He is always steadfast. He is always stable. And he has not moved. Sing that song, we shall not be, we shall not be moved. The only reason why we're not going to be moved is because he's, he's not moved. Lord, I thank you for each one in this house today. And I even pray for you in these coming days, in these coming weeks, that you have, if you have to say something hard to somebody, if you have to say something tough to somebody, I pray that God would open your mouth and out from your mouth would come the words of God. Would come the words of God. We are conduits. We are literally the thing that God uses to speak forth his word. And I pray for these days to come. I pray, listen, I pray protection over you. I pray protection over your families. I pray, pray protection over your relationships in these days coming. And no matter what happens, we understand that God is in control and he is faithful. We pray all these things if the prayer people want to come up. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Let's just worship and praise him these last 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so. That he has been faithful. I want you to even go home and you go home after this and just think about on the ride home and even now how God has been faithful to you. Feed on his faithfulness and he's always going to be faithful and we thank you and pray these things in Jesus name.